A disclaimer for our listeners. The content within this podcast is for mature audiences. It contains graphic descriptions of true crime events that may be unsuitable for listeners below a certain age or those who find this content triggering. The content creators would like to acknowledge in advance that we are not trying to imply anything discussed in the episode is humorous. However, we may reflexively try to lighten the mood when discussing gruesome topics. If this manner of discussion offends you, please do not continue listening. Welcome to Cold-Blooded Brews, where chaos ensues. Our brutiful hostesses today are... Christine, Sabrina, and Stephanie. Please grab your favorite mug of coffee and join us as we discuss today's cold-blooded killer. So for this week, we're going to be discussing the murder of Radio Man Petty Officer 3rd Class Alan R. Schindler. And before we launch into that, this is very important to me, (laughs) I need to know where, if anybody listening has access to this mm-hmm. where can you find there's a new coffee creamer Ooh. it is coffee mate brown butter chocolate chip cookie creamer oh now that sounds dangerous that sounds amazing i want this so bad <laughs> a few days ago sunday so it is thursday now so <laughs> sunday morning i wake up at 6 30 and i've read reviews about this creamer mm-hmm. for months <laughs> <laughs> I am like, I am going to find it today. So I'm like, Google, you tell me where I can find it. And it's like, there's a Tops that you can get it at. Mm-hmm. What so is a Tops? It is a, a grocery, grocery store. store. Okay. There is one um, about 30 minutes away near where I used to work. Okay. So I'm like, okay. They open at 6. It's already 6.30. Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> so I get there. And I am so excited because they have a little card that says, you know, save this much on that creamer. And I am like, yes, but they're sold out. Oh, no. So like a weirdo, I'm like, hello, you have a (laughs) sign in the back. Please tell me when this creamer (laughs) is coming back. And they're like, well, we get deliveries Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can call and check. (laughs) So I have been. Anyway, no creamer. called every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. (laughs) But then, so I'm already down there, yeah, which is like a slightly more populated area. Right. And I'm like, there's like four tops right around here. Google's telling me <laughs> you can find it. Anyway, I go to all these tops. No, no creamer. Oh, no. Um, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to know where it is. On a coffee-related note, something that I'm interested to learn about our viewers, and I guess you guys, is like, how do you prefer your coffee? What is, like, the type of coffee you order when you go out and get a coffee? Like, I'm a latte person. I like mine sweetened, but uh, lattes are, like, the weight of my soul in life. I like cappuccinos, and I like to put extra sugar and extra cream. (laughs) Like, you want to feel the diabetes just (laughs) settling in the I tend to order a macchiato. And before anybody crucifies me, I know it is not a real macchiato, okay? But I love, like, that full glass of milk. I've got to have my syrup in there and then my espresso on the top. Like, I know that's not the right way, okay? So don't come at me. But I do love the Americanized macchiato. Right, like the Starbucks macchiato. Yes. Yep. That's totally the thing. I will drink anything. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. If it's sweet enough, 
I'm here for it. A little bit of sugar and a little bit of cream at least. <laughs> um, I was introduced to Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee when I was in Jamaica and also they sell it where I used to live in Atlanta. And let me tell you, it's very hard to come back from that. Like that is hands down the best coffee I've ever drank in my life without sugar and cream even. Like phenomenal. Now, what? I've never heard of that. So can you tell me, it's like aside from being like it's phenomenal? Really like, what are you fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fancy. Um, you have to buy from certified brands because there are a lot of like offshoots and spooks and stuff like that that aren't real. But the way that like Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is made is it's grown in really high altitudes of the Jamaican mountains. They have like limited land availability and it's it's a very exclusive type of coffee. So it tends to be pretty expensive. So but could you compare it to like Kona coffee from Hawaii? Like so is the like yeah. limitedness that has to be right. grown in the right exactly. Area. It has to so in order to be certified, it has to meet very specific conditions. It has to come from above a certain altitude. It has to be grown in a certain type of soil. It has to have X amount of rain per year, like all these different things along with the fermentation process, the drying process, all those things have to be met like super specifically in order to be qualified. And I found what I think is a version on Amazon, but I haven't confirmed that. So I won't put that out this episode. But if I find the link, I will let everyone know because 10 out of 10, it's my favorite. It's very smooth. It's got kind of like sweeter, like floral notes, but it, it's just like a really smooth cup of coffee. No acidity, like really easy to down. So I will find some stuff. But next time I go to Atlanta, I'll bring you guys back some because Aww. highly recommend. <laughs> nice. The, I haven't tried it yet, uh -huh. but I just bought it this weekend. Is Dunkin' Donuts Chocoholic Pancake Ooh. Coffee. But yeah. my husband will not drink it, so I've just been making regular coffee in right. the morning because... <laughs> I'm lazy and I don't want to make two pots. <laughs> See, I'm not much of a chocolate person in my coffee, so I tend to steer away from those specifically, but that that does sound really good. I'm, I'm excited to try it. I'm <laughs> going to make myself make two pots of coffee. <laughs> Sounds delicious. So, so what are was, some yeah. interesting facts that you guys dug up on our petty officer? Now that we discussed fun stuff, we're going to discuss less fun stuff. Right. So what I found really exceptional about this is the impact that Alan Schindler's murder had on policies within the U.S. military. So the biggest change to come out of his murder is it really spearheaded the policy that was in effect from February 28th, 1994 to September 20th, 2011, and it was the Department of Defense Directive 1304.26 and was signed in 1993 by then-President Bill Clinton. It established the approach towards homosexuals in the military and was infamously known as the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. However, the full directive was actually Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Don't Harass and was heavily influenced by the murder of American radioman Petty Officer 3rd Class Alan R. Schindler, who was only 22 when he was murdered. So it was just very, very sad. He was very young, had his whole life, had a good career. A very in front promising of him. career yes. in front of him. And, and not only was he killed so young, he was killed weeks before he was scheduled to come home. 
Oh no. So he had That's so close though. That's yeah. that yeah. feels extremely unfair. Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> I wanna say three weeks, but it, it could have been Okay. You know, slightly more than that. Yeah. And um, he had told his mom to expect him home for the holidays. So and this wow. was in October. So. Okay. Alan was born on December 13th, 1969 in Chicago Heights, Illinois, and he was born to Dorothy Hages Clausen and Alan Schindler Sr. Alan Jr. had a fairly normal, or at least, you know, pretty untraumatic childhood, although his parents did divorce fairly early on in his life. Dorothy worked full time, so Alan spent a great deal of time with his mother's aunt, and her name was Marie. Eventually, Dorothy actually went on to marry the owner of the restaurant where she worked. Oh. <laughs> which I wish I knew, like, that story, but I don't know. it's probably so sweet. <laughs> Be like, you cook. I like you. Right? <laughs> the entire premise of Bob's Burgers, in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. Favorite. Okay. <laughs> so she got married then, and Alan became part of a blended family that he really got along well with. So mm-hmm. there was no problems within the family. Everybody seemed to get along really well. Unfortunately, he did experience a tragedy at the age of 12 when Marie, the aunt he had always been super mm-hmm. close to, she passed away. But he grieved and kind of dealt with that in normal ways and managed to continue forward. Yeah. So something he always wanted for his life is he wanted to be in the Navy. So after Wasn't his dad in the Navy? His dad was in the Navy as well as his maternal grandfather. Okay. So it was a A generational thing. Family. Yes. That's kind of what my family fell into as well. Both of my siblings are Army. My dad was Army. My mom was Army. My husband is Army. Just become the army family. (laughs) But it makes sense. Like I know a lot of people look up to parents who were in the in the armed forces in the military, and oftentimes that influences them wanting to go. And especially when you have wartime eras where people are doing what we perceive as the good for the world, and you know, kind of taking those big steps to try and make a better future for the generations to come. It's a heavy influence. So it makes sense that he would be interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. My Mm -hmm. grandpa was in the Navy. I joined the Army. My husband's father was Air Force, Mm -hmm. and he is Army. So it... And I think part of that is what (laughs) made what we're going to discuss so difficult for Alan's mother because she really did appreciate the Navy and really admire it and respect it. Mm -hmm. And for the Navy to treat her the way you'll see was really just... Not only did she lose her son, but that sense of pride. Pride. Yes. That (laughs) that is the whole thing. You know, there's a lot of pride established around military families and military community. And to be let down so heavily, I can understand. Mm -hmm. So my great-grandfather on my dad's side, he was also in the military. But it skipped a generation between my dad and my grandfather. And a lot of that was because of what they saw in war. It was just kind of a thing that no one was interested in getting involved in again. So what did you find? Tell us more. 
So after turning 18, mm-hmm. Allen enlisted in the Navy and was ultimately assigned to the USS Midway in January of 1991. The USS Midway has since been decommissioned and is actually a museum in San Diego. So you can actually go visit it, see it, enjoy it. <laughs> but it- <laughs> operating it was known as an orderly and well-run ship like it had a great reputation alan enjoyed his work and the ship that he was on he was really so impressed with the uss midway that he got a tattoo on his arm in commemoration of the ship yeah he referred to it as the happiest days in the navy that he had he loved being a part of that ship he was proud of it. it it's really nice to hear that people you know enjoyed the work that they did, and they took pride in what they were doing. It's such a big role in the community, and nowadays you hear so many people jaded against everything that goes on in the military that it's it's interesting to look back and realize that like people were very, very proud. Mm-hmm. They took a lot of pride in what they were doing. And at this point in time, you have to remember too, which for better or for worse, mm-hmm. the... U.S. had been out of wars for like 20 years by the time, you know, he joined and everything. Mm -hmm. It was a less dangerous time, we'll say. Obviously, that changed (laughs) shortly after. Very shortly after. um, You know, it was enticing. It was a peacetime era. Mm -hmm. So, Alan kept a journal, like Stephanie said, um, and he was very adamant in his journal over those 11 months that he was on the USS Midway. It was the best time of his life. He made friends. He liked his job. Things were good. He felt accepted and valued. He was open yet discreet about who he was, and he felt safe. So it was prior to his time on the USS Midway, Mm -hmm. but after he enlisted, he came home to his family in the winter of 1990, for leave, and he told his family that he was gay. Not that they weren't accepting, but they didn't understand because he had dated girls throughout high school. Mm -hmm. And I think they kind of just thought, well, maybe he's a little confused. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's been on a ship with a bunch of dudes and there's not any girls and he started to feel a certain way. There is studies behind that because a lot of times, so we see it commonly in summer camps when summer camps are gender based. So only females or only males can go. There can be influences, but you do have to realize that is a younger generation of people. You know, they're still trying to figure themselves out back in the nineties being gay was becoming more accepted, but it wasn't like the norm. Not everyone was okay with it. I'm glad that his parents responded relatively well, but this is what I would expect from people of that time. It's just like, well, maybe you're confused. Maybe you were spending too much time with guys. Clarify real quick. Mm -hmm. I don't know how his dad felt. His parents were divorced and I believe his stepfather died, but I'm not sure when. So I I know it was his mom. I can really only speak about his mom. But yes, she certainly was very close to him and did not, like, turn him out because of this. There wasn't the shunning that we see. Okay. He spent those great 11 months on the USS Midway super happy, but it was being decommissioned. Okay. So lack of jobs in that situation. (laughs) So after the USS Midway, Schindler was sent to his next ship, the USS Bellawood in December of 1991. 
This ship, not a good reputation. Complete opposite. Yes. Oh no. There were gangs on the ship, which, okay, I guess there's gangs everywhere. But right. Such a strange... Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like in a military setting, that's not a place you typically see gang affiliation. There's so much structure around military lifestyles and stuff like that, that it is harder for those influences to typically take hold. But obviously that would be a massive shock, a, a big difference between the two ships. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. So on the Bella Wood, Schindler was a radio man. Mm -hmm. According to Wikipedia, radio men of the U.S. Navy were responsible for transmitting and receiving radio signals and processing all forms of telecommunications through various transmission media aboard ships, aircrafts, and at shore facilities. This becomes important in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Just why I'm telling you. So that, that was... Just FYI. Good <laughs> preface. <laughs> that was his job. The Bella Wood had this awful reputation in general. Okay. But it was really a negative environment for Schindler, who submitted a complaint to his chain of command in March and April 1992 regarding harassment he faced, including death threats over his sexual orientation. Oh. Now, it is important to note at this point in time, again, open yet discreet. Not right. in everybody's face about this, mm -hmm. but not lying about who he was. Right. Certainly not pressuring anybody <laughs> to do anything <laughs> they don't want to do. Right? <laughs> so he wasn't a Dahmer. Good to know. <laughs> He's not drugging people in the middle of the night and having his way with them. That's, nope. that's a good Correct. thing. His normal life. Yeah. He faced a lot of death threats, which were witnessed by other shipmates, who at least later did reveal what they had seen and heard mm -hmm. with respect to Alan Schindler and his experiences on the boat. And he would send letters to his family describing all of the harassment and everything that was going on. Okay. And he was so worried that people were reading his letters that he created his own seal on them oh. and inside it would say like you know do not read if you know yeah. not safe if seal was broken so like okay he experienced a lot of yeah lot there's of a little bit of paranoia that comes with that because now he's worried that people are going through his stuff and he's facing further harassment for being himself and existing in the world so would you like to know how his supervisors dealt with this they hmm. shushed it under the rug and told him to grow a pair they sent him to the Navy Alcohol Rehabilitation oh Center goodness. for treatment, despite the fact that there were zero indications that he had a problem with alcohol. Oh my goodness. They didn't know what to do with him, so they just shipped him off. They were like, ah, you're suffering from something. Here you go. So. Go figure. Alan is simmering in this really toxic environment mm -hmm. for months and it has been theorized that he was basically at a breaking point because in September of 1992 so now this has been going on since March of 1992 right he transmitted in an unauthorized message too cute to be straight so it's too cutie to be st r eight 
Sorry. <laughs> so clever. I'm sorry. Like, that's amazing. I'm just, like, picturing him just, like, I don't know why I'm thinking he's doing Morse code, but that's what I'm picturing. Like, he's got the, you know, and just, like, a shit-eating grin, like, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Sorry. That, like, <laughs> no, so I, that's what I picture. So to be fair, this. the Navy does, like, that is one of their forms of communication because <laughs> ship conversation. So Morse code is not entirely out of the ballpark here. <laughs> so too cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, entertaining. This is not a professional move. Correct. Correct. Not really allowed. But ultimately, he wanted to get off that ship. Hmm. Did not like it. He knew what he was doing. He was trying to subtly get himself dismissed without getting completely kicked out. And he, he tried. Yeah. Prior to this. He tried to like go about this more, you know. Put in transfer requests. Yeah. Trying to get out of the harassing environment. The things that you would normally do before you begin to escalate. Yeah. Correct. So after he transmitted this unauthorized message, he requested a meeting with the ship's captain mm-hmm. and a legal officer. He admitted to being gay and was told he would be discharged. When the judicial proceedings for this started, however, it was not closed. All of the meetings were open, which meant not only was this all being discussed, now it was being discussed between two and three hundred oh, sailors. Lovely. So he thought it was just going to be yeah. him and the few people that needed to know. Which is what normally happens yeah. in the military when you have discrete discussions about problems, but that's a now thing. That might not have been a then thing, or they did it intentionally because they didn't like him. Who knows? Alan Schindler was confined to the ship for 30 days and mm-hmm. demoted from RM1 to RM3. He spoke softly into the microphone during the meeting to the captain and just said, you know what I am. Which again, not in your face, but not going to lie to you. Right. So. It's discreet. Right. He He's still trying to keep this relaxed. He's like, you know how I am. You guys don't like me here. Why don't you just let me leave? I will find a better environment like the one I came from prior to this. And that's so sad that he he wanted to be in the Navy his own whole life. Yeah. And then They're finally did it, had such a good time, and then to have such a yeah. bad time. And this whole time, he's keeping a journal, mm-hmm. which you've been able to read. So, yeah. you know, he was writing in there how scared he was that there are more people finding out yeah. because he had been discreet. Right. He wasn't announcing it to everybody. And and that's a really harsh way for a lot of people to find out. Like, you're literally putting this man on blast. You set him up in front of everyone he works with, and they're like, so tell us what your problem is. Like, now I'm in front of the people harassing and bullying me. I don't want to tell you anything. As Stephanie mentioned, Schindler wrote in his journals, most notably on October 2nd, 1992, about how scared he was and how he couldn't be sure of who would or would not want to hurt him. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely in fear for his life. The USS Bellawood was then docked in Sasebo, Japan, which I guess was their, like, home port. Yeah, the Navy... I didn't realize that. The Navy shares a lot of ports with the Marines, um, so home ports, when they're in overseas travel, a lot of times go in and out of Japan. That's, like, the main hold that the Marines have 
outside of the United States. A lot of people in the Marines tour over there. They rotate over there. It's, it's very common. And since the Navy and the Marines are one and the same, but not, they were for a long time. Now they're not, but they use the same bases because it's all based around the aquatic centers. Well, that was news to me. So I learned something. <laughs> it's always good to learn I, new things. And they were just on hold there on their way ultimately to the Philippines. Okay. Right? I thought that they were coming from Hawaii. Yeah, to go Hawaii to, Japan. to the Philippines, but they stopped in Japan for restock, restock refuel. refuel. Yeah, okay. at the okay. base. That makes sense. I, I didn't know what. Yeah, but they were there for a while. Okay. In Japan. Well, and it's good that we know this because a lot of our viewers may not be military. So having information like this is really beneficial for them. You know, you guys are learning something that most of us might just know. And some of us don't know. (laughs) And that's okay. Surprise! (laughs) Some of us. (laughs) That's okay. Very not smart about the environment we're in. (laughs) And some of us don't know where on a map, Japan is. So. (laughs) We were all learning something. (laughs) So at this point, so on October 2nd, 1992, Schindler was set to be discharged from the Navy in just three weeks. Okay. So very, very shortly. Unfortunate that he was being discharged, but getting out of the environment. Preferable to 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 not only the environment, but also how this ends. Right. Yes. (laughs) No, it's just, it's unfortunate that this was the career he looked forward to. And rather than dealing with it in literally any acceptable manner, they outed him, they humiliated him, and then they kicked him out. Like, that's just, I feel like that's awful. A mass reveal because oh, yeah. again he wasn't you know closeted in the strictest right. terms but they just just aired it in front of mm-hmm. everyone and that's against his will is the microphone on like, yeah exactly everyone. can you hear <laughs> he yes it's not straight <laughs> according to this message we You're intercepted living <laughs> on a boat with someone who's into guys just like, saying for the last like, 10 months it's not like there was right. like mass rapings going and on that's that ridiculous. they identify right. like they're identifying him as someone who in their minds is a monster and a problem even though he literally hasn't done a single thing wrong that nothing still continues <laughs> to this day right. with the lgbtq community which is unfortunate this is how many years later and it's still but I digress. We won't tap into that just yet. Continue. Now I'm trying to do math. Like 31? Uh, 31 years? Something Maybe like that. It's 2022. This happened in 92. 92? So. I'm sorry. I yeah. thought it was 23. Oh my God. No, not yet. I just keep hoping we're going to get through. <laughs> so much. So it's 30 yeah, years. Yeah, about 30 years later. Still, yeah. Okay. So on October 23rd, that 30-day restriction confining Schindler to the ship was lifted. He wrote in his journal about how happy he was. Because that was probably miserable. Super exciting to get off of the boat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, he's in such a bad right. environment. Yeah. They were docked where he could, in theory, go somewhere. Yeah. And, he and instead, allowed. he's confined yes. to quarters. Which, like, for anyone listening, military quarters on the ships are not massive. And if he felt unsafe, roaming the ship is also not a good alternative. So basically, this man was confined to his bunk and to where he could go to get food. 
And maybe if he could find a quiet place since they were docked and everyone was gone, he could go out and get some fresh air. But like this was a very small confined space that he was allocated to. Right. So on October 27th, 1992, he left the ship and went out. Mm-hmm. A fellow shipmate named Terry Helvey went to the movies with some friends, including a third shipmate, Charles Vins. When the movie ended, the men went out drinking, and three blocks from base, while finally heading home, Helvey and Vins saw Alan walk into a public bathroom. He wanted to use the bathroom before he got back on the ship. Okay. So. I do that too. <laughs> yes, for sure. The and ship bathrooms are not super nice, so yeah. I'd rather use a public toilet. <laughs> and this was their last night that they were supposed to be okay. there. Yeah, so they're so getting ready to leave. everybody is out in their civilian right. clothes. They are looking sharp. I mean, yeah. you can tell they're drinking. They're military they're because they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. Right. They're letting loose a yes. little bit. Okay. But too much, some. Some. <laughs> too much. Yes. We will learn about them right now. Oh boy, will we. So there was, again, because this is a big ship. Yes. A lot of shipmates. So <clears throat> now a fourth shipmate was in the area and heard strange and distressing noises coming from the bathroom. So he peers in the window. Okay. And he was horrified to see a man. It turned out to be Terry Helvey jumping and stomping on Alan over and over. So we'll go back just a tiny bit, though, because oh, no. the noises that he heard coming from the bathroom, he thought he heard some grunting, some bumping. Maybe there was intercourse. Yes. Okay. Something sexual going on in there. Sure. That's what he was hearing. And I'm a 12 year old. <laughs> and this isn't like. <laughs> and this isn't typical glass windows right they're glass blocks that are a little harder to see through okay. it's not a clear right clear glass it's kind of that frosted almost yeah. looking so like distorted it, distorted yes yeah. okay. so he he could make out Something. once he peered in yeah. did not see what he's expecting to see gotcha Okay. So the trauma that was done to Alan he was not just like beaten to death he was destroyed. The injuries were consistent with a high-speed automobile accident. Oh. Or what else were they consistent with? Worse than somebody being trampled by a horse. No. From the chest up. Oh, I mean, God. just stomped on his throat oh. to make sure that he couldn't breathe. And his chest and his face. Mm-hmm. This fourth shipmate is Jonathan Witt. He saw Helvey, so not only jumping, stomping, destroying this body, Helvey was singing while he did it with, so blood's gushing out of Schindler's mouth. He's trying to breathe, and he's just singing a jaunty Having a grand old time. Yeah. Vince joins in, kicking at his head and his stomach and his ribs. So yes, Vince joins in, but Helvey actually tells him to stop because he wants to deliver the the beating. And he just works his way down Schindler's 
whole body. Schindler was found to have no fewer than four fatal injuries to his head, chest, and abdomen. His skull and his head were crushed. His ribs were broken. His penis was cut. Nearly every organ in his body was pulverized. And there were sneaker tread marks stomped into his forehead and chest. And really the only way they were able to identify his body was by that USS Midway tattoo that mm. was on his arm. And that was, went to find help. Yeah. Came back. <laughs> and that was what he saw was that, oh, shit, that's my shipmate. Oh, no. And tried to resuscitate. He was still alive. Mm-hmm. But barely hanging on and so they're trying to perform CPR on somebody whose jaw is completely unhinged and floating in whatever was left of a face. The damage that they would have done to the chest cavity as well like I don't know how you could do CPR on that like that's you know we talk about like ribs getting broken sometimes during CPR but that isn't something that's going to cause further damage usually. And normally you're on the way to the hospital. So if it does cause further damage, there's someone who can deal with that. But like if, if it was pulverized like this, like you're talking ribs are poking into his lung space and his cardiothoracic cavity is like lacerated open. It's uh, yeah. I, I commend him for doing CPR because that is, the best that you can do in that situation is just try to resuscitate, try to revive, try to mm-hmm. keep him alive. But I can't imagine how horrifying that must have been trying to do that on a body in this state. So there was this murder. Mm-hmm. The Navy was informed about it. And they were less than forthcoming about Schindler's death. Initially, a press release was given out. Okay. And it simply said that there had been a death and two men had been held as suspicious with respect to the crime. Okay. To be fair, that's very common for press releases and military stuff, especially when you have like active duty soldiers, if they haven't identified family members yet because you have to have two points of identification, primary and secondary. There's a lot of stuff that goes into going through the formalities of military before they can release full statements about anything. Um, So that's not necessarily to say at this point that the Navy is covering it up. That is just what they are legally allowed to put out into the public until the military conducts its investigation. So Rick Rogers was uh, a writer with the Stars and Stripes, Mm -hmm. and he was really, from the press side, very persistent about this case. Because while, yes, it was not entirely unheard of that they would just give this limited information, there was no reason listed for the death. Right, cause of death. Which was just strange. And all they did say that it was unrelated to race or drugs. Hmm. Which... Conveniently leaving out the third option there. Yes, yes. You read between the lines on that one as much as you want But Rick Rogers continues to question the case and how things are coming along, what Mm -hmm. proceedings might be happening. Meanwhile, the Navy has informed Dorothy Hadges that her son died in essentially a fistfight. I can't imagine, Hmm. right? We've all been away from our spouse and dreaded... Yeah. That knock on the door. They yeah. knock, and it is somebody in 
dress uniform. It's two people. So there is the chaplain, and then there is someone who is a higher rank than the person who has been killed in the line of duty. Um, and both of them are in their dress uniform. They are very somber. You know, they're not going to show up casually in ACUs. They're not going to be in the police car. Like, this is someone who shows up looking nice, respectable from the military, but it's a very key indicator. Like, if you if you are military, this is something that you're taught to look for because people sometimes freak out yes. when a random soldier shows up on their door because their significant other is deployed. So we're taught this is how it will go. The proceeding will be two people in full dress uniform will show up at your door. They'll knock. They will converse with you. The chaplain will be the one to break the news um, because the chaplain is the certified grief counselor in that situation. And then there are other things that will come from that. But it, when you see it in the movies, it's it has that feeling, but it's not the same as when it happens. You know, when you are the one answering the door because your soldier's away, every knock feels like it could be this knock. Yes. It's absolutely just... Like, you dread people coming to your house because Unexpectedly. you're so... Right. You're so afraid that it's going to be this one. And for her, it was. When they tell her that he died in a fist fight, first of all, <laughs> he wasn't necessarily, like, a violent person. Right. So kind of weird. Feels fishy. But she was even more perplexed when she saw his body because she finally oh. was able to see it. They didn't want her to. They she, specifically told her to not open the casket. They don't want to see... You do not want to see him like that. Remember mm. him as he was. Right. Do not open the casket. All I'm saying, if I died in a fist fight, I wouldn't look like that. Exactly. Right. That yeah. is not That's how not, the body would look. No. Like, the whole... That is like so excessive. Oh, right. She just couldn't get over the fact that yeah. he was gone and she didn't have all these answers and right. so for like some semblance yeah. of closure for her she needed to see I would have opened the casket I would have been like no 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 you're gonna show me because right. when I think died in a fist fight I think a couple punches to the face and they cracked their head open or they fell funny and they they broke their neck like something along those lines is what I consider dying in a fist fight uh, and this. I would definitely be thinking what if it was a mistake right what if it's you know, not my son. That is a very natural reaction. She finally was able to see the body, realized something might be amiss with this story, <laughs> um, was told nothing else except don't talk to the press. Oh my goodness. Which, right. little strange. This is where the cover-up is coming into play. So like the initial release makes sense. These proceedings and these actions do not make sense because... Even, like, spouses who have, you know, spouses who are blown up or very horrific things happen, there's still some form of formal identification that is processed. They may say, for your benefit, you may not want to look, but what are identifying features? But there's always the option of, if you feel you really need to see this, it's on the table. We're just warning you for your benefit. So this is, this is getting fishy and cover uppy at this right. point. Right. And not that the Navy, when they released their press release, not that they were covering anything up. No. But they were certainly not offering... Right. The truth. They're and not, it was such they're a not small a little blotter that, right. like, most of the press didn't even see it. Like... And that's Rick not... Rogers was one of the only ones yeah. that 
And that's not typically how that happens either. Like, no. when we're outside of wartime and someone dies, even in unrelated to war circumstances, there's usually a whole dedication to it. And there's the family information and, you know, the the life of the soldier. What did they do? Where did they serve? You know, their uh, commendations and stuff like that. So just a tiny little, you know, three-sentence statement. Super just maybe for early stages makes sense, but later on, definitely not. Right. So this whole time rick rogers with stars and stripes is still doing his own digging around and the navy is pretty much freezing him out they're not giving him any information you know that Mm -hmm. helps but he is still making some progress and he finds out that a court martial in relation to the case has already been held for charles vins oh no so which normally they're open to the press Right, and yes. in this proceeding, no press was allowed, though the Navy attributed the whole thing to a bureaucratic mix-up that just so happened to block the uh, media. Nope, cover up. <laughs> the Navy is covering their asses, and they're covering their people. Oh, and listen oh, to the deal God. that he got during this court-martial. Oh, no. Well... I'm not to that point. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. But yes, no. But wait for Just it. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. But wait. There's more. God, Arthur Shawcross's plea deal was good. <laughs> no. Oh my lord. Yeah. Okay. So there's still, obviously, one other person still being held, but he has still not been charged. Okay. He's still just being held. So. Rick Rogers now has received a letter that prompts him to contact Alan's mother. Okay. Um, and because he, he wants to tell her what he learned from this letter and see, you know, what information he can get. Mm-hmm. So he tells her that it was two of Alan's shipmates who were charged with the murder because she has still not even been told this. Okay. She was just told that he was killed. So so nobody had, she didn't have any idea that it was actually, you know, his guys that were right there that right. he was with that killed him. And that one has already been court-martialed. Mm-hmm. She was so, kept in the dark about all of this. On that, for people who aren't military, what is a court-martialing? Do you guys like like a trial? Okay, that's military. Uh, it's, version. it's a military version of, <laughs> of a trial. A trial. Mm-hmm. Rick Rogers shares that Alan had three friends. Now the documentary that I got this information from, he just said they worked as entertainers in Sasebo, which <laughs> sounds. Like, it could be anything. (laughs) They were entertaining. So, (laughs) I don't know what. Whatever. But they were were Alan's friends. They explained that the Navy does not intend to reveal the circumstances of Schindler's death. I know. No. (laughs) Like, you weren't getting that. That's not how this works. So, So, the friends have written to... All of the TV and news publication organizations that they can think of to mm-hmm. share the actual motivation and the cover-up regarding Alan Schindler's death. Incidentally, Rick Rogers of Stars and Stripes is the only one to respond out of everyone that they were like, hey, here's Guess some what? information. <laughs> yeah. You want to know anything? They're like, no. So, no. <laughs> this is old news. Yeah. Except to him. He's like, nope, something is wrong with this. There is some 
fishy shit going on. Then maybe <laughs> Excuse the pun. The... <laughs> He's out sitting outside with the cigar and his whiskey. Waiting for a lead. Yes. There it is. The Navy's official stance with regard to this is Mm. that the argument occurred over a difference of opinion. The reality is that it was like a severe gay bashing murder. A difference of opinion on whether you're allowed to like guys or not. Which again, (laughs) no one was going up to the murderers and being like, hey, buddy. You should he didn't, like, walk up and grab his ass yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... He's not being he inappropriate. was not following them. They right. followed... Okay. They so. sought out this engagement, and he was just trying to enjoy his one night of free liberation from the ship in port. And it's not even like... No. Anybody was out at a bar and, no. like, he hit on them. That's yeah. not what happened here. <laughs> he went to pee and they seized their opportunity. Exactly. Yep. So, Rick Rogers contacts Alan's mom and try to see if, you know, she... First of all, does she know any of this, which uh-huh. she does not. <laughs> Second of all, can she corroborate that Alan was gay? Okay. And again, she's kind of like, he said he was, but... Right. He mentioned something briefly. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Which, again, yeah. he's written about it in all of his journals. Right. He's written about it in all of these letters. And she is trying. I yeah. feel like for a mom of the early 90s, right. she, she was great. that time. She yeah. didn't, I mean, she, she didn't, didn't disown, disown him. him. She didn't kick him out. She didn't throw this under the rug. She didn't, like, try to shush him being gay. She was just like, I don't understand it, but this is the information he gave mm-hmm. me. And that that's very good for the very early 90s. And ultimately, I do want to say that ultimately, over time, she became a very big advocate for queer groups okay. and, and their rights. And she did come to accept she this. She actively but was... like lobbied for oh, gay rights good. and lesbian rights. Yeah. Right. But it was it was absolutely I mean, yeah. I think like for any parent when you have whether they're right or wrong, when you have certain expectations and mm-hmm. things don't go I mean, just for any human being. Yeah. When things don't go as you thought, sometimes you're like a little gotta come to grips with that. Yeah, yep. It takes a little while to wrap your head around it. And I think it was even harder with him being dead and not being able to Yeah you know, not explain it, but right. bring that lifestyle. Yeah. Speak know, for so himself. She, yeah. So yes. she can really engage with Learn and it. understand yeah. and grow into it. But still very good on her for being able to yeah. develop in the way that she Right. Does. So Rick Rogers publishes this breaking story in the Stars and Stripes, exposing the Bella Woods slaying as being motivated by, I don't want to say him being a homosexual, like them being bigots, we'll say. Okay. No, I like that. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a very fair term for the situation. So the article also revealed that Charles Vinn, that first man who was court-martialed, was sentenced with a dishonorable discharge mm-hmm. and one year imprisonment in exchange for his testimony against Terry Helvey. Mm. But how much time did he serve? Four months. I was going to say three. I was so close. Four months. <laughs> that Not is... even. It was 98 days. Was it? That is 78 atrocious. days. So that's under three months. 
Yeah. Yeah. That is atrocious. Yeah. First of all, on what plane of existence should you be allowed to get away with literally murdering someone? They could use him. It doesn't matter. To testify against Helby. I don't care. I don't either. I don't either. I don't, either. Like, I don't no, think it's I a good enough excuse. I feel like but Jonathan but Witt no. could testify. Yeah. I feel like people who saw the situation could testify. I, I feel like you could have offered, instead of a life sentence or a death sentence, you could have given so, him 15 years, 25 years, something lower than what he was expecting. I am not sure that anybody else saw because mm. Helvey and Vins both did get away. They were identified fair. later. That's fair. So I'm not, I, I'm sure somebody must have, yeah. like at least seeing them flee or well, something. Well, they were stopped twice by two different military police. Oh, I didn't realize Wait, that. Wait, what? Yes. They oh. were stopped twice. Let me find. Yeah. In my... So they were stopped by the shore patrol who asked if they'd been in the park and they requested their identification. Helvey ran off and then he... Not suspicious ...came back <laughs> to push the shore patrol off of Vins. Oh my goodness. They ran into a residential area. I guess they must have like lost them and then they ran into military policemen who were looking for two murder suspects but the policemen told Helvey and Vins that they did not match the description. Oh my goodness. And this they is according to, to grunge.com. So like yeah, literally. Covered. <laughs> oh, you don't look like you. I don't know what you were doing, but not murdering someone. That is no. that is absolutely <laughs> outrageous. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying this is any one in particular's fault, but once again, this is a situation with killers that we find where a lot of people drop the ball on several occasions and allocated for something terrible to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So around six in the morning, though, they were taken to the master at arms office. So I don't okay. know if those last policemen who were on the yeah. base patrolling held them and brought okay. them in or not. I, it wasn't yeah. really super clear, but it did say, you know, they were stopped, you know, 3.30 a.m. Yeah. By six, they were at the master of arms. And he said, you know, I didn't mean to do it, but the bastard deserved it. <gasps> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to stop and sing. It just comes over me. I didn't mean to pulverize him. Yeah. No. That is intent. He that is intent. He tried to claim he made a pass at him and that oh, he lost shit. it. No. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah. by the time that Rick Rogers publishes this article, Helvey has still not been charged, <laughs> but he's being held in the brig. And all of this is being done covertly and secretly. Of course. They don't want anybody to Because know. that's what the military does when they're under fire. They're like, we're going to try to handle this on the back burner. And there was absolutely <laughs> the question, especially in, like, the queer community, uh -huh. is the Navy capable of being impartial when investigating the murder of a gay sailor? When no. the Navy, you know, chose not to let yeah. gay military members in openly. Yeah. I think, actually, so, the Navy and the Marines were, like, the last two in the armed services to allow gay people into their ranks. Like, if you were openly gay, they found reasons not to allow you in. And that was a very big problem because it was already deemed appropriate and necessary to be open by that point. But I, I don't have dates. I can fact check that. But I, I'm pretty sure like those two were the very last ones in all of the armed services for the US military to allocate gay people. Well, in that time, it was thought that yeah. being homosexuality was incompatible with yep. being in the military. Yep. because Femininity which... and 
being around a bunch of males. They just, I don't know, they had that mindset and it it's so awful. So before Terry Helvey is arraigned, mm-hmm. because, I'm, you know, ultimately we do get to that point. Oh, good. Alan's mother, Dorothy, receives Alan's journal in the mail, mm-hmm. which explores his experiences leading up to the murder. Now, there is some question. She got the journals from that Jonathan Witt. Uh-huh. The Navy was trying to keep a lid on everything. Hmm. So since he was already sort of involved, mm-hmm. he was responsible for packing up Schindler's belongings. Oh. And now he was a cook on yeah. the ship. Okay. That's, That's not right. normal. <laughs> a normal job. No, it's not. For a cook on the ship to pack up there the are, belongings of the deceased. There are literally people who do that job. It is part of the protocol right. for deployment. So as Christine was saying, like he already knew right. some of the information. Yeah. So why drag in anyone else? Anyone else? No. I think argue with me if you want. Uh. I don't think that if the or I think that if the Navy knew what was in those journals, they, they would have burned them. They oh, they wouldn't have been like no. pack them up. I no. don't think they knew he had journals. They just said pack his belongings. Yeah. I will and... say that worked in his benefit that Wit was the one who handled it, even though it's the wrong way to do it entirely by military protocol. It worked in the benefit because if the Navy had found any of this information, it absolutely never would, it would have made have been it to destroyed. the light of day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think Wit was very, for the time period and for what he was being involved with. Right. I think he handled it with more grace than I would have. Oh, absolutely. Uh, been able to just from a mental standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I would have just been like, no. Well, you think about it, he's on this ship too. Still. He yeah. doesn't know that these two had been brought in and are being held. He oh. just knows that I have one dead shipmate. Yeah. And there are people maybe on this ship mm. who did it to him. Yeah. So he's kind of scared. Yeah. And there were individuals who would get beat up just for having friends who were homosexuals mm. on, on ships. So it's it's not even that you have to be gay. You could just like... Talk to someone who's yeah. gay. You and can like, be accepting of yeah. them, and yeah. you're targeted as well. Oh, goodness. So as she's going through these journals, she sees that he requested to see the captain alone, and this was denied. Uh, she sees that as a radio man, he sent out that message. Yeah. That, Too cute, cute to be straight. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. <laughs> Somebody tap, tap. Um, she saw that the captain masked the disciplinary hearing was open Uh to everyone. Now, please someone explain to me because I just found this so strange and maybe I'm missing something. But it was mentioned in multiple documentaries Mm -hmm. and articles that I read that one of the forms of harassment, it was either that his shipmates would spill soup on him or pretend to spill soup on him and is this significant in any way? Like, I don't understand why, like, this was... I get it, calling your name, shoving you, things like that. Mm-hmm. How is, like, pretending to, to spill, spill soup? So I think if it was really spilling it on him, your laundry capabilities are oh. very limited oh. when you're on it. You know what? That's you only theory. have so many uniforms yeah. and there's only so much room. So if he's constantly having to yeah. change because you can't have that mess. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know what uniforms they were wearing. I don't know if it was whites or if it was their blues or if, you know, you don't, yeah. I don't Yeah, so know they would exactly. have been wearing their whites or they would have been in their, oh, I don't know what the official term is. I always called them blueberries when oh, I was at right. A&M. That's what, that's Please what. let that be it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it know. Is now. It's, that is, it's <laughs> their version of the camo though. And it, it's the blue that matches the But ocean. I don't think in 90s they so, had that. I'm not uniform. positive. I know the whites have been around forever, and that right. is typically what they wear on a daily regulation yes. basis. So, yeah. having your whites, having something spilt See, on them, I knew you had there was to. something, because mm-hmm. they kept saying it. I knew it had to be something, but I didn't know like, what it was. Soup. Yeah. Why? Oh my God. <laughs> well, like, and if it's it stained, anything? then he would have been getting gigged for having stains on his uniform yeah. and stuff like that. What does getting gigged mean? Okay, so <laughs> getting gigged is like, that. that's basically just getting in trouble. So like, oh. they, they see the thing and so there's like the discussion, be like the recommendation. Counseling. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, again. Yeah, I need no, to we, it's good to clarify military lingo because yeah. <laughs> I just get used to using it, so. So on, on the boat, mm-hmm. Terry Helvey was known as a hothead who didn't like Schindler. Wow. No, no. I know he seems Shock. like he's got it all together. But seems like such a nice guy. Upstanding fellow. I know it is. He's on the right side okay. of history over here. So Schindler outranked Helvey. Helvey harassed Schindler. Schindler did report Helvey to the executive officer, but nothing was ever done about it. Shocked face. Yes. Wow. I made one, but nobody said. Thank you for. You're welcome. Announcing Shocked it. Shocked Pikachu face. <laughs> and he documented all of these experiences Good. in his journal, which now have been given to his mother. All I'm learning is I need to start journaling. Right? <laughs> oh, don't. Because then I feel like that's setting yourself up to be murdered. <laughs> well, but we'll have plenty of oh, material to cover. We'll be like. Sabrina's murder for the next nine months. Don't worry. Come with us through her active trial. Yeah. Come in live. We gotta be quiet. Oh my god. (laughs) Exclusive interviews with her husband because he's our friend. Attorney. Exclusive interview with her friends. journals it is also written so on september 24th 1992 he asked for a transfer and discharge declaring himself gay he didn't want to live a lie and a naval legal expert helped him submit the paperwork for an honorable early release okay which was ultimately his last official act before he was killed that was all i don't know a mess yeah so finally 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 on February 9th, 1993, Helvey is arraigned because it's wow. been all these months. Yep. And he faced the death penalty, which Good. is understandable. Like, I feel like yep. appropriate. He this is not. pummeled I'm... somebody right. for being gay. Yes, right. very understandable to. And just to mush all your organs. Well, <laughs> this is not a place for people to take heated discussion, pro or against death penalty punishments. It's simply, this is what happened. Our view is that this is a justified mean. Yes. Okay, yes. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So Dorothy was contacted about this plea deal 
since that sweetheart deal was already made with Vince, <laughs> where he served all of 98 days. Oh, uh, I'm so mad. <laughs> it was Helvey who was believed to deliver the fatal blows. He did admit later, like, yeah, he told the other guy to stop because he wanted to do it. So Dorothy was contacted mm -hmm. and the plea con being considered was to take the death penalty off the table and she agreed to take okay. the death penalty off the table because she wanted to spare Helvie's mother the same pain that she was experiencing that is like, so i don't i i don't have a word for it how huge is her heart yeah. to just like i already suffered i know how and bad i this don't hurts. want you to feel yeah. the same way that compassion is unreal Helvie pled to murder with intent of bodily harm okay the jury deliberated, you know, fairly quickly. He was found guilty. Yep. Um, Just like with Arthur Shawcross. If I was on that jury, three minutes. Guilty. <laughs> Thank you. In the agreement, mm -hmm. he admitted to what happened. So on October 27th, 1992, they went to the park in Sasebo. They were drinking. Around 11 p.m. they saw Alan. They followed him when he went into the bathroom. Halvey, like, sidled, you know, sidled up next to him. Mm -hmm. Decided to pee in the urinal next to him. Like, a weirdo. <laughs> yes, oh, okay. There's always, you leave a space. Yeah, I'm not left, even a dude and I know that. No space. No, you he, always skip a urinal. <laughs> yeah. So, Halvey sidled up next to him, cold clocked him, and Alan fell to the ground. Vince kicked Alan and Halvey told him to stop because he wanted to deliver the beating. Mm -hmm. Halvey worked his way down his body, severely beating him, obviously, as he went. He stepped on his throat so he wouldn't be able to breathe. Uh. His liver was pulverized. His heart was bruised. His kidneys had the consistency of mashed tomatoes. Oh. I don't know why somebody would choose what? tomatoes <laughs> as opposed to potatoes. Juicy. Because, well, coloration, chunkiness. <laughs> Like okay. consistency of firmness, you know, tomatoes, they have much more of like a viscosity than potatoes. I would have been okay with my not. No. Well, okay. we're going to explain. Well, you yes. asked the question. Yes. I know. We could have all just This is like... not rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we're supposed to say, these are, I don't know. These are not rhetorical conversations. Yeah. No, you're right. So, Helvey admitted that he did not like the fact that Schindler was gay and he thought that admitting this, for whatever reason, he thought that this would acquit him, this information. Of course. Not Obviously, sure. no longer are you considered a bad person because, duh, society doesn't like gay people. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> no. Uh. So, on May 17th, 1993, Helvey attempts to apologize for disgracing in this order, disgracing the ship, disgracing the captain, disgracing the Navy, and lastly apologizes to Dorothy. Mm-mm. You start with the family. Killing her son. Even, like, always start with the family. That should be your, your highest form of regret. Yes, your highest form of regret should be priority? towards the family. Sense. I mean, it should be your it first priority to regret but killing somebody, not, not just racing the ship. Like. Right, like, I understand, you know, military mindset being what it was mm -hmm. and is disgracing the military for a lot of people is what they view as the utmost of importance but in this situation specifically your top regret should be the family 
You stole her son from her. You stole a young man unprovoked of his life. Unprovoked for no reason other than you didn't like him. It's you did not like him, so, so you killed horribly. him. Horribly. Yeah. So Yeah, this so wasn't horribly. It, it wasn't, you know, in any way tame. Like no. this was absolutely intent and hellbent on being as severe as possible. If I'm ever murdered, <clears throat> I hope I'm not, but I hope it's fast. Yeah, same. Like, yeah. I don't want it to be dragged <laughs> <No>. <laughs> out and like stumpy, stumpy, stumpy. Right. Like and just he was still with. alive yeah. when they came. Yes. So he, I mean. He went through all of He that. went through it all. Yeah. Yes. God. So the jury briefly deliberated and said. Like, was that Tony, even necessary? I mean, they should have just been able to give a verdict, it right? It is. I, I know they have, have to. do but, impartiality and all of that But, like, stuff. why couldn't I just stand up no. and be like, he's I fucking know. guilty. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. I know. <laughs> So he was sentenced to life and dishonorably discharged. Good. However. He should be blacklisted at this point. That's atrocious. So on March 7th, 2022, the Mm. U.S. Parole Commission voted four to one denying Mm. parole to Terry Helvey. Okay. But Helvey has applied for and been denied parole nearly every two years for the last 20 years, which means he wasn't even really in jail for very long before he started being eligible for parole. Alan Schindler's mother was really quite concerned about parole being granted this past spring. So there was a massive movement made pleading with politicians and other influencers to deny parole. And this was the first time that it wasn't Five to zero denying mm. the parole. So I'm sure, especially in her mind, there is a concern. There's I would be concerned some too. Some flimsy yep. possibility that someday this guy might see freedom. Yeah. I don't believe this man should have been given the ability of parole. No. Like we we know in other cases that they remove the ability for parole, and I believe that should have stood. Like this was absolutely intentional. It was and horrific and yeah. not necessary. It wasn't necessary. It it had no reason to happen other than a bigoted, angry person. And I don't believe that makes you eligible to come back into the world. No. I don't care if you had a change of heart or if you decided that this reformed you. You did this action and you have to pay your consequences. Your life is not more valuable right. than that person's. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously we discussed early on that in February 1994, that was when the don't ask, don't tell, don't harass policy was Mm. put in effect. But for some reason, don't harass is largely left off of the policy when it's being discussed. And in this case, you see the harassment was such a huge part of it. So I do believe there was a repeal on the don't ask, don't tell, don't provoke order when they decided that the military would be open to all forms of sexuality. Yes, um, that was... And that's what I'm looking up right now. And it so was President Obama signed it in 2010. So many people fought so correct? long <laughs> and so hard because mm-hmm. even with the don't ask, don't tell, don't harass, yeah. service members so, were losing their jobs <laughs> left and right when people found yeah. out. And their spouses, even though... Some states, it was legal to marry, mm-hmm. were denied any opportunity to be a part of the community because yep. although they weren't banned from enlisting, it wasn't 
right policy it wasn't socially open or acceptable to be a person so don't ask don't tell in the official repeal it doesn't even have the don't harass statement it literally is just called the don't ask don't tell repeal and it is referenced as the don't ask don't tell policy and, and I feel it, it stopped being in effect on yeah. September twentieth, two thousand eleven. Okay, so, so that was when like the notion was put forth, and, and it passed in twenty eleven. But it it undermines what this action was supposed to stand for by removing the don't harass portion, because that is that's what it is supposed to entail. It's not about being secret. It's not about we will let you in, but like, don't talk about it. Don't be open. It's don't harass people if you find out they're different than you. Yes. Do not go out of your way to try and kill someone, harass someone, haze someone, get them to remove themselves from the military just because you disagree with their sexuality. And everyone just latched on to the, hey, I don't care if you're gay or not. You can't talk about it, and we aren't going to talk about it. Right. It became a secrecy thing, and that wasn't the wasn't intention. What it was supposed to be right. That was not the intention. The intention was not let's make this a secret. The intention was let's prevent people in our armed forces from being killed, for being fucking murdered senselessly for being gay, and it undermines the entire initiative by removing that statement. And that's the most important part of it. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, thank you all for listening. (laughs) Yeah. On that somber note. Yes. Tell us about your coffee. We (laughs) want to know about your coffee, and we want to let you guys know we will be uploading on a every other week basis until the holidays pass and everything chills out a little bit more. have some more time to record more often. And our hope is to get up to a weekly upload schedule. We will notify you guys when that becomes available. Thank you for listening to this week's Select Brew. We hope it was to your taste. If you would like to find us on Instagram or TikTok, you can search at Cold-Blooded Brews Podcast. All edits to this podcast are done by the Mayor of Anything, who you can find by searching at Mayor of Anything on any platform that matters.